Welcome to Adaptation, the podcast that dives into all things self-optimization and self-discovery, helping you be your best inside and out. I'm your host, Steve Katazi, and today we are continuing on the fantastic and jam-packed two-parter on how to lose fat for good. This doesn't need much of an introduction, right, guys, because you have just bounced out of part one. So we're getting into part two. And part two is going to be about the principles, the principles of calories and movement, the principles of macros and nutrition, as well as a series of fat loss strategies and considerations that once understood, give you the keys to having a great body all year round for decades to come, whilst being healthy and well. Why not? You can do this. It really isn't that complicated. It can be hard at times. And there are a lot of things going against you to make losing weight and keeping it off difficult in today's modern world. But it doesn't make it complicated. It's actually really simple. And in this episode, we're going to get into all those how-tos that if you really fully absorb this information and execute, you'll be in the best shape of your life. I promise you. All right, let's get straight into this. It's the second part of our discussion between Bryn Jenkins and myself, Steve Katazi, giving you all we know and all you need to know about losing fat for good. Enjoy. We've covered the big issues, addictions and lies. Let's get into let's get into those principles now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the principles are pretty straightforward. Let's start with calories and moving. If you understand this piece and this piece only, you're going to hit you know 80% of the equation. Yeah. So get started. Man. So I think the the first thing is that we touched on it earlier is understanding what your calorie requirements actually are. So until you understand how many calories you burn or how many calories you need to sustain you, um, to know that you can't make a decision as to what method you're going to use. So what do we, how, how do we calculate how many calories we burn? Well, there's many, um, websites out there that you can use to calculate your Mm -hmm. total calorie burn. Um, and know that even the best tools can even be like 10% out. Like you're never going to be, nothing can tell you exactly how many calories you burn. You just have to figure it out. You have to get a number whether that's from a website, from a coach, um, whether you calculate it yourselves, there's many formulas you can do. Um, but when you calculate a number of your calories that you burn on a daily basis... And let's just be clear. and, and uh, yeah, do, Doing that is simple. You can go to tdeecalculator.net. I'll, yeah. put, I'll put a link in the show yeah. notes. And it's like, it's a form with putting you, asking you for height, I think it's height, weight, yeah, and if you know your body fat percentage, and if you're male, female, and your age, yeah, and from those three or four algorithm, it'll pieces, spit out. yeah, it's got it's got some simple math, yeah, and you know there's quite a few humans in the world, so like like we've kind of averaged out what that calculation should be, and it's as you say, it's maybe 20 percent out, yeah, but it is a starting point, and it's really simple, a couple of buttons pressed, fill in two or three fields. And you have an idea of if you're burning 2,000, 2,500, 3,000, 4,000 calories a day based on your lifestyle and based on your basically body composition. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exactly. re- it's really, really straightforward. We talk about calculating your calories like it's going to be really difficult. It yeah. is like anyone can do it and it takes less than a minute. 
Yeah. And there's ways to do it. You can do like times your body weight in pounds, uh, times that by uh, 10 to 12 um, but, grad. Yeah. But, Just go go to a website, fill it, it in, and it'll give you some number, which is going to be reasonably useful. It's the 21st century. Useful. We go on the internet. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and, and the reason I don't tell people that now is just go online, get a number. Then you can, or, or use MyFitnessPal or any of these apps. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they you, kind you'll of do get it, a don't number. They? They work exactly. Out. Yeah. And then just stick to that number and see what happens. See what, what the trajectory is if you go up or down in terms of body weight. Um, and that will give you a rough estimate in terms of where your numbers are at. But I, I kind of want to break down what I'm talking about. So your energy requirement on a daily basis will come from your BMR, so your basal metabolic rate. That will simply be the calories that you burn in order just to um, keep you alive. If you're lying on a bed, it's those calories that you burn beating your heart, breathing, digesting your food. These are the ex- these are the calories you burn where there's no activity involved. Mm-hmm. Then you have your NEAT, which is an acronym for your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is basically the calories that you burn on a daily basis on top of your BMR. So that might be walking the kids to school, going shopping, cleaning the house, fidgeting, um, working, working, G- general activity, general activity, yeah. Then and 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 that's actually the biggest the biggest pie. Imagine a pie chart. Biggest portion of that pie chart will be your BMR. We don't actually have much influence over that. Yeah. Then we have our neat. It's, which I just it's spoke fairly about. it's fairly static whether you lose weight or not. Exactly. BMR is roughly yeah consistent. It can drop slightly um, with, with adaptation, but very very minor. Yeah. It's not worth worrying about. Your neat levels, however, you can affect because you can add more steps into your day. Um, obviously the more physical you are during the day, the bigger your neat's going to be, right? Yeah. So that's now the next portion of the pie. <laughs> then we've got your exercise activities and that is a smaller portion of the pie. And that might make up say 10, 20% of your daily calorie burn. It's a lot smaller than we think. Yeah. And that's why exercise alone is actually a rubbish tool alone to lose weight. All right. There's you should exercise obviously for the other health benefits, but don't use that as a punishing tool to getting yourself into calorie restriction yeah. alone. Um, so that's the next bit. And then you've got TEF, which is your thermic effect of feeding, which is the calories you burn when we're, we're eating. So protein that has a higher thermic effect yeah. um, versus carbohydrates. So just to be clear, what that means is that there is some energy expenditure to break down that food into yeah. usable energy. And protein requires the most kind of digestive effort to convert. And therefore, if you have, say, a thousand calories, it's a lot, a thousand calories Mm -hmm. of uh, protein, they say up to 30% of those calories are actually kind of disappear through just the digestive process. Yeah. And I think fats digest really easy and carbs, you know, somewhere in the middle, I think. Yeah. And, and, And that, like, we can it's place. not something you, not, nothing it's, it's to nothing, worry about. Yeah, it's, it's and not that a big is deal. yeah, exactly. And that's like literally the smallest slice of the pie chart. Which really should you focus your attention no. on that? Not really. So I just wanted to break that down so you have a picture in your mind as to what your total daily energy expenditure looks like. Um, and yeah, that's basically that's your total calories burnt for the day. Yeah, and from that, then we go. Okay, now do that's we eat less or understanding, more calories? Understanding that is really important. So we talked about this idea of naivety of individual context. This is the context. 
know how many calories you as an individual, as a 38-year-old male who's sedentary through to, you know, uh, you know, a young 20-year-old female that's, you know, got a got a nine to five job and goes to the gym, you know, five days a week and, you know, has an active weekend, whatever it is, like understanding the context for you will be very important to determining how much you can eat. Yeah. Ultimately, we want to eat as much as we can whilst maintaining our weight or losing weight. We don't want to eat nothing, albeit there's a time and place for that. Mm-hmm. But we want to understand if I match this number, I won't put weight on. You owe yourself you have the responsibility to tell yourself what that number is. And it changes. As you get older, it becomes less. Mm-hmm. The more, the less active you are, it becomes less. So those are two dials that, yeah. you know, they're somewhat in your control. But understanding your TDEE and go to a simple calculator, it'll be very, very quick, will give you an idea of what it should be. And then what you've said is, okay, now trial that number. Try match that number mm-hmm. during the course of a day. Um, do it for a week or so and see what happens to your weight. If through that week your weight's gone up, you're not matching your TDE. The calculator was off, maybe 5, 10, maybe 15%. Dial the calories down that you decide to eat the following day until you basically stop the needle moving. Yeah. And likewise, if you're losing weight, matching your TDE, you're clearly not matching your TDE. You're having less yeah. than your body needs. And finding that number... And that number changes depending on your body composition, how much muscle you've got, how active you are. These things are contributing factors, but understand where you sit today will help determine the calorie restriction or budget you have available going yeah. forward. Yeah. Important, but easy. Yeah. Second easy part then. So body composition, it's kind of go, it's the same thing really. So when you calculate your TDEE, a more accurate way to get that number is if you also have an idea of your body fat percentage because muscle is calorically expensive to maintain on your frame. The more muscle you have, the more energy you spend just being alive. Hence some, you know, big rippling bodybuilders might need to eat 6,000 calories a day just to maintain weight because they've got so much muscle on their body and it's expensive to maintain that. Mm -hmm. So if you do know your, your body fat percentage and you can either go to I'll, I'll link to an article that I've written that shows what 15, 20, 25, 30, 35% looks like roughly body fat percentage. Or you can use body calipers or you can use an in-body scanner. You can go to one of your gyms. They can do like a, a, a test for you. It's pretty straightforward. Um, or you can just kind of guess. Yep. But either way, like kind of knowing that number makes a difference because it does move the needle on how many calories you can eat to maintain or lose weight. Yeah. And now let's talk about restricting calories then. So we we understand what we think should be the number that maintains our body weight. <clears throat> now what do we do? Do we go for a aggressive calorie cut? Do we go for a sustainable slow calorie uh, deficit? The answer really is completely individualized to you depending on your circumstances. So for an example, if I have a highly motivated client, am I going to take them through the more slow and sustainable route? Probably not, because if they're highly motivated, they're ready to go. And if I give them an aggressive calorie cut for a periodic for a period of time, and I know because they're motivated, they can do it, I will probably get them to do it. However, if I've got someone that as soon as I get them onto an aggressive calorie cut, 
say 50 percent yeah of their calories if i get them to do that they're probably going to cheat they're probably things are probably going to go wrong they're probably going to have mood swings it's just not going to be worth it they're going to come off the um the dieting wagon mm. then i'm probably going to take a more sustainable approach yeah. so i find that it's it's completely individualized but i used to take more of a sustainable approach I used to say it has to be sustainable. It was actually, no, I don't think it has to be sustainable at all. Um, not if we're doing it for a period. If we're dieting, we can go hard. Some people can sustain a, a more of an aggressive calorie cut for a short period of time, say four weeks. Some people can do it for 10 weeks. Mm. Um, so kind of, this kind of comes down to knowing you. You have to figure out what works best for you. Um, but just knowing that, the principle of calorie cutting, you are just trying to cut calories to lose weight. Um, and that it doesn't really matter whether you go harder or go a little bit slower, more sustainable. It's just down to you. Yeah, no, I totally agree that I, the concept really is this straightforward. If you work out your TDE and it's 2000 calories a day, um, that'd be low for a guy, but that, you know, be maybe a slight high end for yeah. a woman, but you know, there's quite a few people that have a TDE of 2000. So let's just go with that as an example. <coughs> You've got a TDE of 2,000. You've tested it and 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 through a week's worth of trial and error, you go, yep, it's 2,000. Kind of keep my body weight roughly about the same. Good. Then you have a choice. You can either lose weight very quickly. And the way you do that is you basically have to take as many calories out of your day as you can whilst still getting nutrition mm-hmm. and surviving, you know, yeah. mentally and, uh, you know, emotionally. Or you can go slower knowing that it's just going to take longer and the the period of quote-unquote dieting is going to last longer so do you want to rip the band-aid off go aggressive get in and out or do you want to take a you know three four five months maybe a year Mm -hmm. at this it really doesn't matter the point is that you're in the long term through the long term you're in a calorie deficit of any sort that means that in time you are going to lose weight the pace is up to you there isn't any massive detriment to going fast uh, and absolutely isn't any uh, um, um, nutritional deficit of going slow it's what what does your emotion and what does what does your psychological what does your psychic part of you need like do you are you someone that needs to see results quickly and fast then we're going to have to go more aggressive but are you also but does that jibe with your ability to persevere be motivated and be stoic because mm. if you want fast results but you're not willing to do the hard work mm. and go through periods of struggle then maybe we just have to Expectations find not meeting. a different number yeah. so the numbers generally i would say at the low end are probably 20 percent. Mm-hmm. so if your calories are 2000 you'd have a 20 percent deficit so there'd be 400 calories off so you would go for a 1600 calorie budget per day mm-hmm. Um, the more aggressive side, and it's a sliding scale. You can go anywhere in between these two ranges, and I think you can do it safely. Go up to say fifty percent. Now that is a really aggressive cut. Yeah, that would go from two thousand calories, what your body needs to just get through the day, to go to one thousand. You are going to see some changes in your behaviour when you lower the calories by that much, but it can be done. Many people do it, and it means you can lose weight quicker. Yeah. Um, the key thing is, it doesn't even have to be daily simply i think it makes sense to have a daily budget and sit within it mm-hmm. you know plus or minus 50 calories something like that but you could equally have a weekly budget yeah and say 
2,000 calories is my daily um, maintenance calories. Times that by seven, it's 14,000 calories over the course of a week. Mm-hmm. I want to look. I want. I want to be in a 20% deficit. So what's that? 2,800 calories have got to be taken off of the weekly amount. Mm-hmm. And how I take them off is up to me. So maybe I eat in excess on Monday. I have two days where I eat really low. And fourth day, I eat a bit more. However you want. I don't want to get complicated. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be on the day. Yeah, It can be over be a, a long, longer term. As long as through the long term, you are having less calories than your body needs, you'll be losing weight. And th- this, this is where adherence comes into it because the best diet is the diet that you can adhere to. So that's mm-hmm. why there's no one diet that fits all. And like we're talking about here, we're saying, okay, what, what um, calorie deficit suits you best? And now you're in that calorie deficit. What, how, how you set those calories up on a weekly basis, how does that suit you best? So you might go out partying on the weekends. Well, save your calories for the weekend. Um, because it's the net total at the end of the week that matters, not yeah. the daily total. Yeah, and it's not even um, the week. It's, it's the long term. It's like it, through the long term, are you eating <coughs> fewer calories than your body needs? Exactly. To go through its daily, weekly, monthly process. Monthly. Exactly. But the reality is most people are going to do a daily thing just because it's hard it's, it's hard to do the math over a longer period of time. It's easier just to say, like, you know, start and finish in a day, like work within this budget. It's predictable, repeatable, consistent. I don't have to do too much work. But you've got the flexibility if you need yeah. it. Okay. All right. So we've we've spoken about that. One thing to just bear in mind is you um, – you want to keep your calories as low as you feel is achievable, but you want to keep your nutrition high. And we're going to, we're going to touch on that a little bit later, but understand that these two things don't have to go hand in hand. You can have lower calories, but keep your nutrition high. Once you do that, you're going to have to weigh yourself regularly. Mm-hmm. Now, some people don't like weighing themselves, so they'll do it very infrequently, like once a month, or whenever they pluck up the courage to jump on the scales. And others will obsess about their weight and get really frustrated when they weigh themselves. Uh, And that's the reason why they don't weigh themselves every day because one, they think, oh, I'm not going to change materially, but if I do, then fuck me. I've just put on two pounds from one day to the next. What's going on? You need to understand your weight is going to ebb and flow. You take the emotions out of it. I I weigh myself every day because it's habitual and I'm a a science guy. I like to see what my, my body's responding to every day and it's different every day. And depending on my the protocol I'm following, whether I'm in a weight gaining phase or I'm a weight loss phase, the trend is always in the right direction because mm-hmm. I know how to do this. I know what my TD is and I'm, I'm, I'm setting my budget appropriately to gain or lose weight. But from day to day, it can go all over the place. From one day to the next, I might put on a pound and a half. Mm-hmm. But it comes down to how much salt versus potassium I'm eating. Mm-hmm. You know how much, how many carbs have I had that day? Because they're going to hold, they're going to store more water in my body. Have I gone to the toilet recently? Like, have I had lots? Have I been hydrated? There's a lot of factors that mean that I show up every single day at a different weight, and I can't get emotional about it because I can't control it. Bear in mind that to gain fat, you need to have an excess of calories. If you deliberately know you're in a deficit of calories, you are not putting on fat. You're not, but you might have put on some extra water weight because maybe you're on or maybe you just had a really high salt day and not a lot of potassium and therefore that ba- electrolyte imbalance creates more water retention in your muscles that's no problem mm-hmm. 
if you actually feel a little bit puffy and bloated because you're holding water and you can see that it's water it's not fat so weighing yourself daily take the emotion out and do that so that you can plot and trend where your weight is going and if you do it only once a month and both of those days seem to be extremes they're going to tell you a different story to the reality yeah do you know what i mean so if you weighed yourself on your heaviest day during a week and you only weighed yourself a month later and it was the lightest day during that week it's going to suggest weight loss that might not even exist yeah. and vice versa it could go the opposite direction so weigh yourself daily and use any of these apps that typically do trend lines of where your weight is going through the long term. Yeah, or you could even have a notepad sat next to it. Write down your weight every single day. Add all those numbers up at the end of the week. What's your total? Do that again next week. What's your total? You can do that. Yeah, yeah. and just, just see what there's, overall... there's an app I, I, I've got. It's a couple of quid, I think. Uh, it's called Happy Scale. <clears throat> and it integrates with other apps that you might use to log your weight, including yep. the native iOS stuff. It's really good because it actually does really good trend lines, averages. So it shows you a graph of what's going on. It plots averages or 10-day averages. So it doesn't just connect all the dots in a simple way that, say, like a MyNet Diary does. Yeah, It it does algorithmic kind of mapping and trending and saying, okay, where is your weight going based on a 10-day or a 20-day or a 30-day average? Right, okay. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's happy skill, that is. Okay, um, neat. You've spoken about increase your neat, right? You know, a, a key principle of losing weight is eat fewer calories than you need and then increase your need of calories by moving more mm-hmm. and don't assume that's just going to be in the gym. As you say, it's probably only 10, 15% of your calories are going to go towards whatever effort you do in the gym. You've got a finite capacity of how much exercise you can do, both in terms of your energy levels and your ability to recover. Yeah. So from a health perspective, you don't want to be slamming five hours of the gym every day, every day, you know, seven days a week. You need time to balance and rest but you can always move more, which is a low demand on your body, whether it's more walking, it's walking the dog, it's just walking at lunch, it's you know, spend spending a little more time walking versus being in the car. Yeah. It's moving around more, maybe standing at your desk, it's it's moving every 20 minutes instead of just sitting at your desk for three, four hours on the trot. Taking the stairs versus just lift. moving around. Moving is yeah. a big contributor to overall calorie demand. It's one of the biggest um factors you can influence in terms of calorie burn and and it, it feels easy as well right it's just, yeah. just think about moving um another aspect of the the principles that i think is really important is this idea that our bodies do downregulate in response to our environment so our bodies are constantly trying to match our lifestyle so if you're a laborer builder someone using their hands scaffolder you're going to have a high demanding job right there's going to be a lot of calorie demand on your body and and, and it's going to have a, you know muscular demand in terms of mus- muscular retention you compare that to someone who's sedentary their lifestyles are going to be different your body's going to match that lifestyle in terms of how much muscle it should hold on to uh, and how fast or slow their metabolism needs to be now when you put that in the context of calories if you're having fewer calories than your body needs your body doesn't like to have less than it needs. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't enjoy a diet. It's never a good thing. So you are going to get hormonal uh, reactions and psychological reactions that are going to say to you, this is not the place to be, have more food. Our body doesn't want to be in a deficit. But to help take you out of the deficit, it will either encourage you to eat more or it will lower its internal processes. So our metabolism 
sounds like it's just one thing it isn't it's a it's a concoction of thousands of processes that all happen independently from the thyroid to the heart to the lungs mm-hmm. to you know your other organs to your <laughs> digestion to your skin your eyes everything is it basically burning energy and your body can down regulate how much energy it burns mm. if it chronically isn't getting enough food right which is a survival mechanism if you go for three four days without food what's your body going to do is it going to still burn in high and hot the, you know the, it's demand for energy or is it going to find ways to conserve and our body does does that beautifully it finds ways to conserve energy it stops you fidgeting as much you might yeah. blink slower you might think less you might less motivated you might sleep a little more you you might not work out that day so there's stuff that things that you do are just like the the more obvious which is am i moving less because my body's saying you haven't got the energy to move as much but it also do stuff internally that you can't see which is down regulating stuff you might become heat sensitive that happens sorry cold sensitive it happens to me all the time when i go for a period of not eating like on a fast of some sort i'll get cold a lot easier Mm. my body's just going i ain't got energy to burn like a furnace like now so we're just going to dial that down a bit and hey you might just have to suffer a little bit and feel a little bit more cold yeah so bear in mind your body will down regulate to match the lifestyle so what does that mean i think it's important that you have a strategy of refeeding so you are going to if if you're going to be in a sustained calorie deficit for weeks if not months it's important to think about not surprising the system but reinforcing and and, um, reassuring your body that it isn't in a chronic famine famine and starvation that every once in a while you're getting adequate nutrition adequate calories we're all good don't stress Mm. keep losing weight and i think like obviously that's touch on the sort of physiological side of things and as well from a psychological aspect i like to call it kind of a diet break as well so i'll say okay you're going to do if you're going to do eight weeks of dieting maybe you do four weeks one week break four weeks and make sure that break isn't just going all out and blowing out and just smashing a load of calories it's a refeed it's bringing your calories back up to maintenance um so many different ways to do this yeah exactly just allowing the reason I do that is just because of you just feel better. You just feel better from not dieting. You You're um, ready to go back into that dieting phase, which increases again adherence. So there, there are many ways in which to refeed your body to remind it that we're not in a dire situation. Yeah. Because at the point in which your body down regulates, what does that mean? It means it's going to slow your metabolism, which means that you had a 2000 calorie uh, tde calorie budget now it might have dropped down to 1800 and as you lose weight it's going to get lower as well because the the less you weigh the less your less your calorie needs are (laughs) so you're getting lighter which means you can have to eat less to maintain losing weight and by the way your body's slowing down because it doesn't know when it's next going to get properly fed those two things confound to the point that you are you're in a place of yeah like you're not losing weight. If not, you're gaining weight mm. on what used to be a protocol of losing weight. And you break that cycle through refeeding. And we're going to talk about a couple of ways you can do that in a second. Yeah. Um, last two things I've got on these principles, and they're both related to training. So I think it's now becoming fairly unequivocal. 
I don't think there are many people that would argue that strength training doesn't have a place in most people's lives. I don't know. Maybe there are a few people, but to be honest, everywhere I look, every person, whether it's someone parrot fashion telling you something or it's the leading scientists and researchers of longevity, wellness, health, strength, weight loss, whatever it is, they all agree on this idea that everyone should be doing some form of strength training regularly in their lives to maintain muscle mass, which increases their calorie demand, increases their functional capability, you know, increases their bone density, you know, keeps them healthy, keeps them be able to be mobile and move well and not just deteriorate. Mm. And through our sedentary lifestyles, because we're not physically active with our hands the way we used to be, we need to implement strength training, which is training, is in the gym or doing something that is lifting weight of some sort, some kind of resistance in order to maintain muscle mass because that seems to be a marker of longevity, a marker of health, a marker of wellness, and a strong contributor to being able to lean out and have good body composition. Not just yep. look, be skinny, but mm. lean with muscles. You don't mm. want to be lean with no muscles. You don't yeah. want to be skinny fat. You don't want to just be shapeless. Yeah. And muscle helps define shape. So strength training for me is a no-brainer. It's not up for debate. You should be doing some form of resistance training. That doesn't mean, you know, crazy deadlifts and squats. It could mean it could it could be as simple as you know bands and stuff like that. It you could know? be body weight. It could be body weight stuff. Yeah. It could be half an hour, a couple two, three times a week, you know, in the park doing some kind of boot camp stuff, doing body weight things. Rock it climbing. Could, it could be it all could sorts be, of stuff. Yeah. But it's a it's a demand on your muscular system. Yeah. So you can maintain and hopefully grow some. Uh, the flip side is what we, what I think people default to when they go into a weight loss phase is they just go hard on cardio. They go hard on running. They go hard on the treadmill. They go hard on the other CV devices, uh, machines in the gym. And whilst and, and, and I think the notion is if I move more, I burn more, means i can eat more <laughs> plus plus the calorie burn is higher during a cardio session right i mean it is and obviously not long term but short term and it's a very short term type of way of training um so i feel like a lot of people use that but it is very short-sighted in comparison it's to also low training. skill right because if you're i'm gonna lose weight tomorrow right okay so this is what i'm gonna eat and i'm gonna go for a run yeah, put it's, my trainers on and go. It's low yeah. low skill. I don't need much stuff. I don't need money. I just put my trainers on and go run. Uh, so I understand why it's so appealing yeah, yeah. and it's so accessible. And it ends up being usually the initial foray into people trying to manage their weight is they start running or do some form of cardio. And I, I don't want to I don't want to suggest cardio is bad. I don't think it's bad. I think you know we should we should be fit and healthy, move around and be active. And however you choose to be, you know. Or, or, all, all the power to you. However, cardio does not have the same long-term and me- metabolic benefit um, than strength training does. Strength training increases your metabolism, increases your um, your overall muscle mass, which is a good strong marker for all these health and wellness uh, markers. Yet cardio, chronic, long, sustained cardio, will actually cat- catabolize and break down muscle. And 
you will become more efficient the more you do. Mm. And you don't want to be efficient when you're losing weight. Yeah. You don't want to get to the point that that 20 minute run that made you sick the first time there you can you can do an hour and it doesn't even touch you. That means you become more efficient at running, which is great, but hey, you're more fit, but you're now burning less calories for for the same amount of time. And if you want to lose weight, you want to be as inefficient as possible yeah. and you increase that by strength training and building muscle. Yeah. Do you agree yeah, with that? Totally or, or, agreed. I, I know I know we don't always talk about this a lot, and you, you do you know you do strength training with your your people in your gym, but uh, I, th- I think you also respect cardio. But do you see that there are these kind of these two two modalities that yeah. kind of conflict each other a little bit when it comes to weight loss? Oh, definitely. I think the again the, the reason we're talking about this is because we're going okay. These are the principles. Once you understand the principles, and you can select them as tools or the tools to apply to them. So what I mean is when our gym we're doing uh like a a fat loss phase for our members we'll set them more calories and they stick to their calories everyone's in a calorie deficit and then we just help them with that calorie deficit by upping up the volume of work that they do in the session and that might be through um that'd be through bringing back the strength training a little bit increasing the numbers uh, in terms of like reps and sets we will uh, increase the cardio just because we know we're going to get a higher calorie burn out of everyone through doing that but we know that long term, usually do high intensity cardio, don't you? High intensity cardio. You're not be, doing. You're not doing steady state. Let's run for an hour. Yeah. No. Exactly. Right. And and yeah. and the reason we do that again is because we um we're using it as a tool to be efficient, not to make them efficient, to but to be efficient in, in terms time of time. Using, yeah. So you're in here for 50 minutes. How can we burn as many calories as possible? Because right now the principle is calories. It's all about energy demand for you. So let's demand as many calories from you as possible during this session. That's only during that period though. Because once that period of dieting is over, we'll go, okay, now we're moving back into a more intense phase where we're going to lift heavier, get strong, good technique, build muscle, and we work through that. So the longer game is getting stronger, improving mm. the body, because that is what's going to keep the weight off yeah. um, and also help you lose weight. But it's just through that short period of time, we will use cardio. However, but it's mostly, mostly it's at the front hip based. It's yeah. short bouts of intense but efficient, yeah, metabolically demanding, muscular demanding as well, because it's usually it, anaerobic to some degree, right? Whilst you're saying it's cardio, the hip based kind of burpee stuff and assault bike leads stuff, over to anaerobic. That is somewhat anaerobic, right? There's yep. quite a strong muscular demand to that, right? It, there's a muscular demand, so we have that element to it as well. And don't get me wrong, this is like at the front end and the back end of the session. I mean, still in the middle of the session, we're we're weight. trying to get more volume of work in, yes, but we're trying not to have a detriment on their performance in terms of the weight they're lifting. So yeah. we'll still do we'll still do strength-based compound lifts, but we just won't be doing it with a strength focus. But longer term we will. Yeah. So got it. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. So so guys, that really for us are the principles. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna reiterate those super quickly just so you know we've spoken for a while let's just make sure that they're clear calculate your tde using a calculator online it takes all of a minute or two guesstimate your body composition because that helps more accurately determine what your budget can be because it would determine how much muscle mass you hold restrict your calories of whatever degree that you think is appropriate for your personality your goals the time you have available and an honest reflection of what you think you can achieve. 
everyone wants to go as aggressive as possible. Not everyone's built to do that, but you can go aggressive and it isn't going to detriment your health. Uh, and you can go slow and it isn't going to, it's going to work still, which is going to take longer. Which do you want work within 20 to 50% of your daily or weekly TDAE? Take that off uh, and then use that new number to, de- you know, mm-hmm. define how many calories you can eat. Weigh yourself regularly and trend the that weight. Don't look from day to day, but measure daily and look over the course of a week, two or three weeks and ensure that line is going down. And if it isn't, you need to make adjustments. Move as much as you can, not in the gym, but day to day through what you do in and around your work, what you do at home. You know, walking is a great non-stressful and actually relaxing way to, you know, de-stress yourself, you know, and support your parasympathetic system as well as burn more calories. So think about moving and walking more. Refeed is a strategy that we're going to talk about in just a moment, just to give a little bit more context, but it's this idea of, um, periodically introducing more calories so your body doesn't downregulate too much and make plateauing a thing and or potentially even just increasing weight because you're no longer matching your demand correctly. And then we spoke about strength training, the need for pretty much everyone to do some form of resistance training and how cardio can be a good tool for increased um, calorie burn. However, it does have some detriment and you should be thinking about probably hit or efficient based somewhat slightly anaerobic cardio if your sole focus is weight loss if your focus is being a runner or being an athlete or being an endurance uh, individual of any sort then your goals are going to be different but we're talking about weight loss principally here so that covers the principles as it relates to calories and moving what about macros and nutrition uh these are simple i'm going to hit them really quick tell me if you think there's anything that you disagree with Bryn. So. First and foremost, calories are king for fat loss. We've said that a number of times. So just focus in on being in a calorie deficit. Number two is nutrient density is king for wellness, right? So we've spoken about calories are king for fat loss, but nutrient density is king for wellness. So what does that mean? So if you're going to have less food, I want you to focus on having food that is more dense in nutrition. Mm -hmm. And that's why the next two points are really important. Point three is prioritize protein. And the general guidance is, people vary on this, but it seems to be an appropriate number that most uh, leading professionals, not not, uh, governments, but leading professionals will state, which is approximately one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Now, if you are 40% or more uh, body fat, then that number's not going to work because if, if say, for example, you're, I don't know, a 60-year-old female at 40% body weight, your calories might only be like 1,200 calories. Uh. Yet, when I, give you, when I give you a gram per pound of weight and you're quite overweight, it ain't going to work. Like, all your calories are going to go to protein. You're not going to have any, any other calories for anything else. So, there becomes a point where this one gram per pound doesn't work and it's typically if you are holding quite a bit of weight. And I'd say for women, say over 40%, for guys, maybe over 30, 35%. You're going to then, in that case, you're going to use your ideal body weight to dictate this number. So say you're 200 pounds and you think your ideal body weight should be 120 pounds, maybe use 120 pounds as your guide to how many grams of protein, which would be one gram per pound. And in that case, it would be 120 grams of protein. 
prioritize protein. Protein is the building block of cell regeneration, new cell growth, uh, muscle growth, um, basically all, all the organs and tissues and cells require protein to build, rebuild, regenerate. And it's completely essential. There's many essential um, and quote-unquote non-essential proteins which your body needs daily. Therefore, protein should be your first priority after calories. Point four is embrace real fat. Now, I've, I've made a case that you shouldn't be leaning on carbs as much as people suggest, whether you're an athlete uh, really leaning in on, on training or not. I don't think there's any reason for you to be 60, 70, 80% carbs. I really don't think there is. I'm not saying you shouldn't have carbs, but you should limit your carbs to what you need versus suggesting as a health benefit of having mm-hmm. a lot because I really don't think there is. So my my priority after protein would be embrace real fat. What is real fat? <laughs> it's going to be su- surprising to hear, but it is saturated fat. It's real saturated fat from animal sources. So it's going to be from eggs. It's going to be from salmon. It's going to be from red meat. It's going to be from pork. It's going to be, you know, the, the leaner cuts such as chicken as well. It could be from avocados, coconut oil, the saturated fats that are in these foods are the foundational building blocks for our cells. Our cell membranes are made of fat. And if you don't want to be crashing your blood sugar constantly, you're going to want to embrace fat more. Include it because it's part of your bile production. It's part of your healthy hormone production. It's incredibly healthy for many other um, metabolic processes in your body. Don't go... 10% 10% or under just because you think that's the right thing to do. I would suggest have 30% as a minimum of your calories coming from fat. That's actually not a lot because there's nine calories per gram of fat. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and therefore, 30% isn't actually a lot of fat to consider, mm-hmm. right? It's coming from your butter sources, it's coming from, you know, a bit of meat, a bit of salmon, maybe eggs, and you're done. This isn't a high fat diet. I'm just saying don't exclude fat because it's essential. And then the last point around the new, on the macros is then fill your balance with carbs. Again, mm-hmm. no issue with carbs as long as you're prioritizing protein and fat first. Mm-hmm. And then whatever you need from hedonistic value, from a volume perspective, or you want to you carb refeed in the evening so your morning training session, which is highly demanding, is just going to have a little bit more zip, fine do that no issue at all but you're working within your calorie budget you're you're embracing nutrient density by having enough protein and enough fat Mm -hmm. and then the balance is carbs i'm not trying to describe a dieting protocol i'm just trying to describe some principles that universally if you follow you're going to be healthy as well as lose weight and you're not going to be metabolically all over the place you, I know that you can cut this a million different ways, Bryn. Do you do you want to nuance that? No, I think you. We're. I mean, we're pretty much on the same page in terms of principles. Um, I think going back to obviously first point with the calories are king for fat loss. That's the biggest thing, and obviously you put that first. And then talking about the nutrient density, because I feel that a lot of people will 
do it with the detriment to their health and not focus on nutrient density. And I think that's just something um, that's worth repeating going over again, just to make sure that we are hammering that point home, just so that we're not looking at restricting your calories and then leaving you completely deficient, feeling like crap. Guess what? You're probably going to burn less calories. So I think some of those points there are really, really good and important points to be made. Okay. Okay. Um, and I'm on the same page. I mean, the only thing I would say with point three with the protein, maybe um, when you're in a calorie deficit, potentially there's an argument to increasing that slightly to 1.1, 1. 1.2 um, grams per, per pound of body weight. And I know you Absolutely, know that yeah. part figure. Um, I, I just think maybe we're splitting hairs a little bit. But I, I, I understand your point, but yeah. it also doesn't make a ton of difference, does it? No, it's there, just to be on the safe side. If you're sitting somewhere in a gram per pound, you're right. Now, I don't, I don't, just to be clear, I never hit my protein goal, as in mm. I'm never bang on. Quite often I'm over. Quite, quite often I'm over because I like my protein sources of food. I have real food. I'm not just like necking like protein shakes. I'm having real food, got quite a bit of protein. I don't care if I'm going over. Also don't care if one day I'm like 20, 30, 40 grams under. Yeah. I'm just generally aiming for that nut, that kind of ballpark. Yeah. So it might be 0.8, it might be 1.3. I don't care as long as I'm, I'm prioritizing protein and I'm thinking during my day, as I look through my day, I'm like, where are my protein sources coming from? Yeah. Where are my fat sources coming from? Let's hit those two first because, hey, nutrient density is about food. Basically, animal nutrition is the most nutrient dense. And then you go through the plant kingdom of foods. Yes. Yeah. Getting to the point where things such as wheat are pretty, pretty deficient mm. in nutrient in nutrients. They just have a lot of calories. So if you if you labor on the side of nutrient density your body will your body will be more satiated it will be fueled it will have the appropriate level of nutrition to as the building blocks of both muscular development and other metabolic processes your hormone hormone levels will not be completely fucked which typically happens when people go on restrictive diets especially if it's low fat mm -hmm. you you just make the process easier whilst not becoming chronically deficient and let's be clear there's many people that have lost a lot of weight not following these principles yeah so you can do it different ways but yeah. you can also hurt yourself as my wife can attest to she went through a long sustained couple of year period of having very few calories and having next to no nutrition we're talking crackers and cottage cheese mostly like she was having other stuff but like that was her go-to. And if she felt the need to have a little bit more, she'll have other food. But that was her baseline. Mm. Not good. Yeah. Nothing in that. Right? So yes, she lost weight, but she also made herself ill. And she's suffering with that with some chronic issues as a result of those decisions. You don't need to do it that way. Yeah. You can lose weight and still be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's where I usually safeguard and say go over one gram pound body weight, but it's not vital. It's just safeguarding and just making sure that you're prioritizing. I think when you that when you cut your enough. calories quite deep though, going beyond the one gram is actually quite difficult it, because now you're starting to look at your your uh, available calories. Split. And once you go one point two to protein on a twelve hundred calorie budget, yeah, there's very little <laughs> for anything else. And if all you if you're okay just eating chicken breast yeah and nothing else then okay that's fine but if you actually want to have some other food now i mean i'll give you a classic i'll give you an example i was working with someone who had exactly this issue that was overweight was older had a very low calorie budget because she had a low metabolism and couldn't hit the calorie the, the one gram per pound couldn't it was impossible for her to do it 
with having any life. So we had to give give them that a little bit. And the reality is if you're holding quite a lot of fat, you need as much protein. Because the protein is really there for your organs, yeah. your, your your bones and your, your your muscles, right? And if you've got just excess fat, you're not fueling the fat with protein. You're fueling mm. the other stuff. So I think that's where the equation, whilst it's simple, yeah. falls apart when you get to levels where actually it's quite a bit found it, it's all it's and that's where it's completely individualized so i again i will i will safeguard some sometimes i'll bring it down like you say sometimes i know that someone's eating 80 grams of protein a day i'm not gonna then gonna go make them eat 140 grams of protein or 160 grams of protein i'll probably just get them to eat an extra 30 grams of protein um so yeah prioritizing protein that's a good guideline then if you are nowhere near that you might just say okay well where am i currently at how can I just add to that? And How usually can I people are really myself? far away from their protein numbers. Yeah. Like really far. Yeah. Like, you know, almost everyone I speak to about, okay, let's prioritize protein. How much do you eat? And, you know, we have to kind of have to tease it out. Yeah. Trying to get a sense of actually what they're eating and go, whoa, like you're just having carbs. Yeah. Like literally that's all you're eating. Mm. And because you're now on a on, on a diet phase, you're cutting out the fat as well. So yeah. you're just having carbs. Yeah. <laughs> carbs and, now, now and now a got- token bit of protein somewhere somewhere maybe you've had a, a slice of ham on your bread yeah and that's it I'm like, really ham. like yeah. come on we need to fix that and then you've got cravings cravings through the roof yes and then suddenly you're overeating can't sleep and guess what you can't lose weight so hopefully this will make sense so so let's just close on um some of the strategies and we kind of touched on a couple of these but we kind of promised to kind of go back to it so I don't think we need to hit these too hard, but I do want to talk about fasting. I do want to talk about 5-2. And I do want to talk about meal prepping. I think these are important concepts. Yep. But starting with this idea of mild versus aggressive cutting, I think we just, I just want to labor the point again. It's up to you. No one, no way is better or worse. Now, there are some downsides to either, right? If you, if, um, if you decide you're going to be on a mild calorie deficit, but you're going to do it for ever, that's not a good thing, mm-hmm. right? And like being in a calorie deficit for the whole year without intimately breaking that up, I would say is not going to be optimally healthy for you. I can't see that being a good place for your body and your body to thrive in, right? Mm-hmm. And you are going to plateau. You will slow down if you're on a constant diet happens to everyone yep. my wife included who was on like six seven seven hundred calories a day eventually she just had to eat that much to keep the weight the same body stopped yep. body just slowed everything down it's not a good place and she had deficiencies as a result of having so few, few cal- calories and making bad choices mm-hmm. so i think there is a downside for chronic mild deficits absolutely um and also think you could be really reckless with aggressive cuts if you basically ignore nutrient density and you just go, I'm just going to like not eat anything, but I'm not going to have nutrition when I do eat. I'm going to have like crappy foods. Like That's a recipe for disaster mm. as well. So if you respect nutrient density as, as a really you know, strong principle that whichever route you take, however f- far you cut those calories, whether you're going to go, low and slow or you're going to you know you're going to really cut deep but do it only for 3 or 4 weeks which is my preferred way cuz I just don't want to be I don't want to be in a deficit it's just not yeah. fun for me so I'd rather I'd rather use my willpower my stoicism and a fact I'm fat adapted so I'm not 
a carbivore. I'm not like driven by carbs. I know I can go more aggressive than most people. So I will go 50% and I'll use other strategies to help me achieve that 50% deficit and I'll get in and out in three weeks. Yeah. I've got a cut coming up towards the back end of the year. It's going to be max five weeks because I want to get even leaner than I've ever been before. Mm-hmm. It's only going to be five weeks. I know bodybuilders, they typically, they will cut for 16 weeks because they want to get like 4% lean. Mm-hmm. Right? And I get it. You kind of have to. But they'll take a low and slow. Others will be more aggressive. Either way works, but long sustained deficit is going to take your muscle off your frame. Even if you train hard, it is eventually going to do that. Yeah. So just accept that the more you're in a deficit, there is a detriment. So you want to get you want to get in and out as fast as you know you can psychically, uh, emotionally, based on your kind of physical restraints, based on your lifestyle restraints. Like what's going to work for you, and know that is the right path for you. Mm. Would you say that's that's fair? Definitely. I think you covered that point very well. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about fasting? Because we've both played with fasting. <clears throat> So and you 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 went in it first, right? You were more willing to to go there without getting all caught up with the emotions of our oh, fasting is going to cause all these problems. Like, yeah, you done it first. You went into one day, then you done a three day, uh, and you've seen a lot of, you felt a lot of immediate benefit mm-hmm. from a mental perspective, a mental toughness perspective, as well as like just a kind of refresh, regeneration yeah. perspective. Do you see fasting as a valid protocol? as part of weight management or weight loss? I personally do. I know a lot of the industry says the opposite. So a lot of people will will argue that by saying that you shouldn't use fasting as a tool for weight loss um, because it shouldn't be used in that way. Fasting has a lot of health benefits. But to me, it also has benefits of restricting your calories. And if... If you can do it, obviously, if you've got a a fairly good dieting background, then yeah, if you haven't and you've got some um, uh, sort of bad behaviors with with dieting and nutrition in the past and and it's been a complicated journey, then maybe not. Mm -hmm. But I would say if you're just the general pop looking to lose weight, fasting is a good protocol because it's a very intense focus period in order to restrict your calories. For me, that I just would rather skip breakfast and not eat until lunch or dinner, or I might I wouldn't go for a prolonged fast to, for weight loss. That's the only thing I would say. When you say prolonged, what do you mean? I would say anything from like seventy two hours, maybe past that. Oh, okay. So, so you're talking like, talking you know, four, like three, four, five days plus, I, like without eating. You, yeah. you don't you don't support that. I did a three day fast. That was purely for more health for the health aspect. Yeah. But if I'm looking at it from a calorie restriction perspective, I would probably do the 5-2 diet um, where two days in the week I would restrict my, I would just do restricted windows of eating um, where I'd skip, say, uh, breakfast and lunch. For me, that works great. I've had other clients that have done it. That works for them. But it doesn't work for everyone. So it's, again, it's down to the individual. Will fasting work for you? Do you like the sound of it? Because a lot of... Um, people when they fast they like the feeling of feeling empty like feeling like okay i don't have anything in me i'm not digesting anything right now whether they do or not i don't know after say 16 hours but they feel that way and they feel better they feel like they're in more they feel like they're in more control um and it's a very 
easy way. It's like putting your trainers on, going for a run out the door, isn't it? When you try to lose weight in terms of exercise, it's that equivalent for the diet. It's very quick. I'll just wake up, not have breakfast, not have lunch, and then I'll have my dinner. I've got X amount of calories I can eat in this window. That that as a tool can be very effective. I I completely agree. I I think it's it's something we we should all blend into into a dieting protocol. I'm not saying a it should it should feature as the the, the only tool you use, but it should mm-hmm. it should be part of your toolkit yeah. because one you don't always feel like eating like. I don't feel like today or or or, or breakfast. So I, I, you know what? If I'm honest, I don't need lunch, but I know it's lunchtime, so I'm going to eat it. It's quite liberating to say like, because I know I don't need lunch. Like mm-hmm. I, my my body is not going to collapse and die if yeah. I don't have lunch. I'm just not going to have lunch now. I'm going to save a little bit of money. I'm going to save decision making, inconvenience, and time. I'm just going to crack on, like. It, when say you've got a if if right say say you're gonna go I'm gonna go really aggressive fifty percent cut that's what, by the way a fifty percent deficit is is very difficult very big, yeah. right now when you're you're saying <clears> okay, <throat> but I still want to maintain the same amount of meals still want to have breakfast still want to have lunch still want to have dinner potentially have a snack or a dessert now you're saying okay well every meal's got to be shit because because now every meal's got to be diluted to the point that it's not going to satisfy me probably not going to have enough nutrition in its individual meal. And I've got to make it and I've got to think about what it is. And it can't have too much of this or that because it's going to put me over. Now you're like, your brain's going on overdrive. Like, mm-hmm. How do I make my breakfast only 300 calories? Because it's normally 800. Mm-hmm. How do I make my lunch 400 calories? Because it's normally two, you know, it's all normally 800. And how do I make my dinner, which is the, my most important meal of my day in terms of how I feel? How do I still enjoy that? And it gets quite complicated because you're work, you're trying to work out these three meals, yeah. plus maybe others in between, and your beverages, and you're trying to do it hard. Now it's easier to maintain all your meal options if you're at a ten percent deficit because mm-hmm. your life is pretty much the yeah. same. But if you're going aggressive, I think in those aggressive in those aggressive cuts, you have to consider some form of fasting. So whether it's sixteen eight, so this is the intermittent fasting protocol. Simply skipping a meal, typically breakfast. You eat at dinner, you don't have any snacks afterwards, you go to bed, you wake up, you don't eat anything in the morning, you eat some point at lunchtime, 12, 1, whatever. Having that sustained period of not eating is just going to mean one less meal to eat, which means that the calories you otherwise, that, that you do need to maintain that deficit, they go in lunch and dinner. And that means those those two meals can be a little bit more interesting. That for me has always been the goal is make my dinner as normal and as fun yeah. and as enjoyable as possible. How do I do that? Take the fucking com- complexity out of the that bits before. So skipping breakfast for me is, is always, like for the last two years, I just don't have breakfast. I might have a shake. So I do have a bit of food, but I don't have a meal. Like yeah. my idea is like, let's just get to lunch, have a bit of lunch, and then dinner's where I can put a smile on my face and enjoy, enjoy mm-hmm. myself. And I can still lose weight doing that. Yeah. So... 16 eights a goer, uh, multi-day fasts. I done I done a, a three-week blitz fasting cut. I lost 12 pounds in three weeks. It's all, almost a stone. Did I use the stone? It was definitely 12 pounds. I kept my salt r- really high, so I know I wasn't losing a lot of water weight. Mm-hmm. So the majority of that was fat. 
maybe pound and a half, two pounds I lost of kind of intramuscular water, which I regained when I started eating at a higher calorie amount again. Yeah. It was about a 45 to 50% calorie deficit. I fasted for three days for three weeks. So like Sunday, I didn't eat, you know, I didn't eat Monday or Tuesday, basically. Um, and then I would do the next thing, which is OMAD, one meal a day on a couple of the other days, which is one meal a day. So I didn't have breakfast, didn't have lunch, just had dinner, but I had a massive dinner, yeah. massive dinner, like two and a half thousand calories, mm. loads of nutrition. And then on the weekend, I had two days where I just kind of ate at maintenance, at maintenance, which is like a lot of food, three, three and a half thousand calories. I lost 12 pounds in three weeks. I fasted for three days on the trot for three weeks, right? It's that same period of time every week mm. I fasted for three days, 72 hours. And it was hard, not going to lie, but it's actually a lot easier than I expected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a self-righteousness, you, know, you feel good about yourself, you show yourself you don't need to eat as much, you have a, you start thinking about portion control, you start thinking about, you know, okay, I'm in control, I don't need to eat every meal, every day, I can... I can just go with a flow. If I need to just lose half a pound because I just put half a pound on, I'm just not going to eat today. And, and what? And, is your... and not eating today is I'm going to lose a pound because you know if my TDE is three and a half thousand calories, and I don't eat that day, in effect I've lost about a pound in one day. Mm-hmm. Do that three days, I've lost three pounds. Now you can be reckless with fasting. The reckless way of doing it is not respecting nutrient density. Mm-hmm. So whilst you're eating less that does not mean not having enough nutrition. It means when you do eat, you've got to really, really prioritize the protein and the fat and foods full and chock-a-block with vitamins and minerals. Because if you don't, you're going to put yourself in a place of increased hunger, um, in, you know, more frustration, more hormonal issues, and generally health issues mm. if you're not getting enough nutrition. But I've done it for three weeks. I was in and out. Not enough time to cause me any harm. Yeah. Mentally, a little bit tough at times, but you feel amazing doing it. So fasting, I think, if you've got the if you've got the willingness, mm-hmm. and if you're not overly dependent on carbs, if you've dialed your carbs down generally, lifestyle wise, to the point that they're twenty or thirty percent of your calories, you can do you can definitely do sixteen eight. You could probably do a, a, a one day or a, you know you could probably do a two day fast, and you can definitely do OMAD, which is one meal a day. You can do it. Mm-hmm. It is doable. It is not, you're not going to die. Mm. Everyone thinks, fucking, that's really bad for you, isn't it? It isn't. Mm. Skipping a meal is absolutely normal. Skipping a day is absolutely normal. It's just, it's not common. Yeah. It's hard to do. It's hard to do for the majority of people. Socially, and socially mentally hard, but not physically hard. No, no. Physically, we have mechanisms in place because obviously our ancestors would have gone without food for days or weeks and that's why we have this inbuilt mechanism that can deal with famine but we as a social cultural um society really struggle with fasting um because of these these social norms of when you should eat built around the working day exactly eat before you go to work eat during work eat after work and work is nine to five mostly and therefore we're going to eat at seven, we're gonna eat at twelve-ish, and we're gonna eat at six or seven. Like that's just what you do. And that, doesn't mean we have to do that. It's just because we've been conditioned to to say that's how life operates. That's when they're they're the opportunities to eat. So eat when you get them. And that that's actually 
that was the biggest thing for me when I did my fast was, uh, what do I do at lunchtime? What do I do at dinner time? Like, this, I was literally time, like, yeah. what do I do? Like, I'm so used to eating right now because it's yeah, yeah. habitual. Um, and I think that was actually the hardest bit is around my meal times. But Especially it if a, other people in the house are eating. Yeah. And it, so yeah. it wasn't a physical thing. It was more for me psychologically it was it was quite tough that from that aspect um but no i think it can definitely be used as a tool um i just feel i would definitely say try try 16 8 try <clears throat> try not eating breakfast yeah i think anyone can do that it's one of the most common common ways that people use fasting and 16 8 is kind of kicking off like like as a branded diet yeah and it isn't it's just suggesting time restricted eating feeding it really is achievable Mm. the multi-day fasts require more courage more discipline a little bit more stoicism and a willingness to just kind of dig deep but you've got to have the mindset that i do have food in the cupboard i do have money to buy food i could eat at any point at any time this is not being done to me i'm making the choice because i want to accelerate fat loss and i'm going to feel the benefits of not constantly having to digest Mm. food I'm in control. Any point I could say enough's enough, but let me see if I've got this. Mm. And you got it. Mm. It really is, I think, pretty compelling. We spoke about five, five, two. So we spoke about 16, eight. What's five, two? So five, two, there's different, it's, it's, there is a five, two diet. In my mind, it is a different thing though. Mm-hmm. So in, in my mind, in terms of how I leverage this idea of a ratio of five, two, is I have five days of restricted eating where I'm probably eating 40 to 45% deficit and I have two days of maintenance. Mm -hmm. Again, we're getting back to this idea of refeeding. So in both of those protocols, so I spoke about my blitz cut of three weeks with fasting protocols. I had two days of maintenance. In in my 5-2 blitz cut, I'd done exactly the same thing. Five days of restricted eating, two days of eating at maintenance Mm -hmm. where I'm getting enough nutrition. Yeah priority number one and i'm getting enough calories to just be happy with myself and i don't feel like life just sucks so emotionally psychologically physically physiologically and to prevent both plateauing and my body metabolism slowing down to the point that just things just stop mm-hmm. five two or any kind of diet that intermittently drops in a refeed i think is a useful strategy mm-hmm. it it does slow you down a little bit but you can take it off the other end. So you can go more drastic in the days where you're quote unquote really digging deep and dieting to allow you to have those days of refeed with no negative consequence. It's all upside. You're getting the nutrition, you're feeling good, you're able to go out with your friends and family, you're able to act normally. And then the periods in between that, you're digging deep. Mm -hmm. But there's no social pressure, you're doing it home or no one needs to know that you're kind of overly dieting you're just not eating as much Mm -hmm. do you do you kind of support this idea of five two so oh the idea of refeeding regularly uh i've kind of touched on earlier where i use it as a dieting break planned and non-planned so sometimes we'll plan in a diet break um or I have done in the past where we go, okay, you're going to have a diet break here. So four weeks, then you have a diet break and then you do another four, uh, four weeks or we diet and we're going to diet say for eight weeks. However, when life gets in the way and you just feel like you're going to derail, okay, we'll just turn that dial. We'll just have a slight refeed. We'll bring you out, phase you out of this, this period of dieting. 
um, will allow you some more calories, will we'll strip away some of those restrictions. That way you then don't blow it and you kind of stick to some sort of maintenance or slight deficit. Um, and then we bring you back down into a more aggressive deficit. Yep. That's, uh, and that's kind of an unplanned one. If we need to go, look, we need to bring your calories up. Let's give you a bit of a refeed. And I think, I think any of these options work, right? Yeah. It depends on your personality and what you feel your lifestyle needs. Like for me, spending eating eating with my family, <clears throat> typically over the weekend is really important. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we're getting into the habit of having at least one, you know, lovely home cooked meal all together on a weekend. It's slightly more indulgent than it normally is during the week. And mm. I really look forward to that. And I need to find a way to build that in. So, you know, I get I get the hedonistic and uh emotional value from life. So it doesn't just feel like it's this constant restraint. Mm. So I I make my life harder in the days which I decide to make it harder. Yeah. So that I can afford weekly to have days of liberation and a bit more freedom. Now, if that doesn't matter to you and you can be an even kill 20, 25% seven days a week for four weeks and it doesn't phase you and you don't have any social events that completely throw you over, then great. Mm. But if you feel that, you know, I just need a little kind of emotional reset once a week. I need a, a metabolism reset once a week just to kind of act normal and get back in. But it's a controlled reset. I'm not just blowing it. I don't know. I think there's a lot of merit in that. And I think you can yeah. lose weight quickly. But it, it again, it's up to you. Yeah. And I think with the so with the five two, we're uh so we're currently doing a six week dieting phase um with our members and we're actually going five days at a medium calorie deficit. So not an aggressive or not not a low, it's just a medium calorie deficit, five days, two days aggressive, two days let's drop your calorie down, say like, like 50%. Let's mm-hmm. really restrict your calories for two days. So two days, pick the days that you're, my, that you're busiest. So when there's work and you just don't want to think about food, those are the two days. And then you have the other five days to to place where you want. So the, the weekend will probably be those two, uh, within those five days. Um, but we have done in the past where we've gone four medium days, um, then we've got two low days and one high day. So one basically refeed where it brings you up to maintenance. You go mm-hmm. one day maintenance, four medium days, two low days, two very aggressive. Um, so we've, we, we're doing both. We'll see at the end of this one, which, which worked best as a whole over our members. Yeah. Um, I think it, it comes down to the individual. It's like, what's your life look like? How much value do you, you derive from food and are you continuing to lose weight? If you're plateauing, if your strength's screwed in the gym, if your energy and mood sucks, being on a constant deficit, then find a way to not be in a constant deficit. Either you lose weight slower, Mm -hmm. but you're happier, or you maintain the rate of weight loss, but you just dig deeper in the days you decide to lose weight, allowing a maintenance more regularly. Um, I think we should... Calorie count. I mean, like, I mean, that's a that's a no brainer. We've been speaking so much about calories that if you don't if you don't know how many calories you're burning and you don't know how many calories you're eating, all of this is in vain. Yeah. Now, I think people can lose weight without counting calories. Lots of people do it, um, but you're doing things via guesswork, and I don't know. Maybe it's my personality. I'd rather know. I'd rather mm-hmm. know if my actions today 
have been worth it and how worth it have they been mm-hmm. because i think too too many people go on a diet and then it's just complete like luck of the gods like what's going to happen let's see you know yeah. is this does this diet work or does it not it's like well the diet might be perfectly fine the protocol that's been set or the you know the fad you know, the, the branded diet might be perfect but you don't know whether you're matching the your numbers are properly yeah so like how do you know and how do you know portion sizes and how do you know how much is in that dollop of butter you put on your veggies like how do you know unless you take the time to educate yourself i think calorie counting should be part of your life at least until you feel uh educated to the point that you can start guessing for yourself but having an understanding that that plate of food is holding this amount of calories i think is important calorie counting can be no more than five minutes a day it usually is no more than three minutes for me every day yeah i have a level of consistency in my day i select the favorites from the day before it is done i know what i'm walking into i get to the end of the day some days i'm like whoa i'm not gonna have that dessert because i've just blew i blew it at lunch Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna pull back on that actually i can afford a bigger dinner than i I usually do because i had a really light lunch Mm -hmm. you have that flexibility of working within your constraints while still losing weight yeah you agree? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think that what doesn't get what doesn't get measured doesn't get managed at the end of the day. Um, and that sounds more true than ever when it comes to calorie counting. So is, but you can't look you can lose weight without calorie counting. Yeah. This is you just, just like don't. you're gonna be more in control this yeah, way. That's exactly. it, simply. We spoke about cat, um eating out. I'm a big fan of eating out. I probably eat out maybe a little less than 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 previously, just because we eat a lot of good food at home now, but at least once every other week, mm-hmm. and sometimes twice, twice within that two-week period. Um, so it's very regular, and I do that, and I, I will eat out as regularly, even if I'm dieting hard. I still eat out because social connection and social eating is important for me. Mm-hmm. How do I do it? It's it's just a calorie sink, right? It's it's simply put. Like I'm gonna omad it. I'm gonna one meal a day if I have to, or I'm gonna I'm gonna bring my calories for Saturday and Sunday together so I can have my Saturday meal, and then I restrain my Sunday. I'm looking to reserve or preserve calories for that meal, and I've eaten enough. I've eaten out enough and and guesstimated the calories enough so I know this restaurant's gonna be roughly two thousand calories. This restaurant I'm going all out. It's gonna be two and a half thousand calories. Like it's a lot of food. Mm-hmm. But it's very indulgent and I'm going to have free courses. I'm going to have some wine. I need to preserve 2,500 calories. If I don't have 2,500 calories in that day, I'm going to have to save some from the day before yeah. or take some from the day after. Yeah. But if the if losing the weight matters and sticking to the plan really matters, like the rate of weight loss, mm-hmm. then you've got a choice. You either blow the plan or you find a way to shift your calories around yeah. to support having that meal. And that is called a calorie sink. It's it's preserving or reserving calories, shifting them around to support that one meal during that day. So if you're going to have a big meal out Saturday night, don't have breakfast. Probably like, skip lunch if you can. Like, do yourself a favor because those extra meals are just taken away from your enjoyment of the evening because now you've got guilt riding on that. You're completely blowing it. I think this is really straightforward. I think um, do you do you struggle with this or do you do you see other people struggle with eating out? Yeah, yeah, I massively. It's it's 
one of the biggest issues that people have when dieting because you go out on the social and you eat out and they say, what do I do? What do I choose? Well, I say, well, you can really choose what you want if you control your calories beforehand. Yeah. But I, there's two things. So I'll say, first thing is try not be reactive about it. So don't, don't go out and then go, I'm going to, okay, right. I've just blown 2000 calories or 3000 calories. I'll, I'll get them back tomorrow or day after because that, that, it's like Monday never comes. It's no, that it doesn't. Thing, right? It's too hard it, to, it, it's hard to make up back. for a loss. Yeah. yeah. Always plan ahead. Go, I'm going out Saturday. So I'm going to allow myself an extra thousand calories or 2000 calories. What am I going to do? I might claw back um, 500 calories over two or three days, yeah. or I might do it in one day. Like you say, it might be Friday. You might just have one meal. And then that way you're not being reactive, you're planning for it, and then you go out and you enjoy it and you don't feel guilty. The second thing is that when you're tracking the calories when you're out, it's you, you you're you used to doing it, you've got a good hold of it. There's a lot of people struggle and they're it's like, bit, How do I know? It's a lot of guesswork. It's a lot of guesswork. So I would just overestimate. Yes. Um, so I'd overestimate by about On portion 10%. sizes, assume there's butter exactly. and oils and everything, build that in. Yeah. Whatever you think it comes, it's always gonna be more. <clears throat> exactly. Because there's loads of hidden goodness right yeah, you know, they're putting stuff that makes they're putting ingredients in that food that make it taste great but that's hidden calories that you can't you acquire, don't acquire see more. exactly i would also say like you know the table bread and stuff like like in, enjoy the food that tastes amazing mm -hmm. but don't just eat because there's food in front of you because yeah. there, you could eat 600 calories of of crap calories calories that don't either fill you up didn't bring you any enjoyment and don't have any nutrition just because the food's in front of you like choose good food like yeah. go i really like that that start i want the cal i want the calamari or i want the scallops with you know, you know all this that, and other you know I, I want this nice big meal with you know the, the trimmings and i'm going to get myself a brownie like get the food that is going to make you feel great but don't eat the shit that's like eh, i could have not eaten that and i would have been absolutely fine i, I wouldn't have felt any less happy well mm. stop eating that shit yeah because it's just taken away from the calories you do have yeah. available Cool. I think we're almost done. Um, I've got other articles on things like the impact of sleep. Sleep is important. If you don't sleep well, you make bad decisions, you're impatient, and you crave sugary food because you need immediate energy. So if you don't sleep well, it's proven that you're going to want to eat more. It's ha it happens I, anecdotally. It happens to me all the time when I when I pull an all nighter. I'll I'll snack in the evening because I need energy, and when I wake up. I'll be less willing to follow my plan because mm -hmm. I just need food. I want I want the food that's going to make me feel good and give me energy now. Yeah. So get good sleep, get good rest. Um, I think that just leaves us to talk about actually two things: the meal planning and pre the meal prepping and diet planning. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. um, I've act I actually don't think you need to diet plan. I just think you need to calorie plan. And I've actually built a little tool called a calorie planner. And it's got an article talking about exactly how to use it, which allows you to think through these priorities, calories, protein, and fat. Use those to then start selecting foods. It starts putting in foods in their calorie. Um, it's, you know, the simple basic foods. It hasn't got everything on there, but it gives you a sense of, okay, how do I plan a day or a week? What kind of foods do I need to eat to hit my protein number and my calorie number? And then... That, then I know how many calories I have around that to put in other foods, right? I don't think it needs to be more complicated than that. But mm -hmm. some people like meal prepping. 
they like the idea of a Saturday or Sunday. They try and prep a few meals. They maybe put them in the freezer. They put them in little Tupperware boxes and they know how they're going to eat. Or they like the consistency of eating the same thing every day. Um, or they like a diet plan of Monday I eat this, Tuesday I'm going to eat this, Wednesday I'm going to have that. And I'm going to decide it all up front whilst I'm not emotionally stressed. So then I just have to go into autopilot of picking out those foods and cooking the foods I've decided to eat. I don't I don't have a strong opinion either way. Yep. I see the benefit of planning ahead so you make less bad decisions on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I definitely feel like <clears throat> keeping your diet as basic as possible. And I'm not talking about like the micronutrients. In ter- I'm talking about just consistency with your meals if you can try and make like that you've got a lot going on already if you're restricting your calories like give yourself less to think about by having very similar foods because tracking can you've got tracking down to a t because and it doesn't take you very much time to do it because you sound like you eat pretty much the same foods or you have some sort of consistency there with the meals that you have there is some so, you know there's variety but there's also consistency yeah, yeah. i'll just and i'll dial down the variety if you have loads of variety during your period of dieting just to allow to make it more simple and easier to track and yeah. keep keep a hand on and um, less decisions right? and less decisions exactly yeah. so i mean that's kind of my train of thought on that um and yeah i mean it all boils down to calories. It's the energy within your food. So actually when it comes down to what you're eating, that's more about the the micronutrients, what you're not getting. So as long as you're getting those in, have what you want. As long as it's within your calorie count, that's the main thing. So just making sure that you're focusing on your overall calories. But if if you, you are a meal prepper or you like to plan <clears throat> a diet or a week's worth of food, go for it. I'm, I'm not saying that has to be done. I'm also not suggesting it's a bad thing to do. No, like, not at all. If that's your mindset, if you know you're going to make less mistakes, mm-hmm. if you decide up front what you're going to eat, you plan it out, you maybe even prep the food up front, go for it. Maybe there's meal prep companies, maybe they work for you as well. You know, understand people short on time, some people short on culinary skills. You know, some people, you know, they they just don't have, you know, they don't have the money or they don't have the the available tools or resources to cook the food that they would have wanted, mm-hmm. so then maybe they would lean on third parties more to support their dieting strategies. It doesn't matter. The ultimate thing is you follow these principles. Then what you fill that in and how you plan and prep that is up to you. Mm-hmm. But simply put, you could go one day to the next, um, use my calorie plan, I get a sense of the kind of foods that meet your protein goals, and then just include those in day to day and then fill the fill the budget with carbs and fat based on your preference. Yeah. How do we how do we cl- how do we close this then by talking about post diet? So I kind of want to go back to the point that I hammered home earlier, the fact that we're talking about getting into a period of of dieting, calorie deficit. However, you do that, you've now got you understand the principles. You now got the tools in order to do that, and then, but you got to understand that that is lit that is part of the process. That is not the whole diet in itself. That is just part of the process because what happens after that? Once you've done with dieting, you don't just, like I said, switch to flip and and you're off your diet. That's it. You then need to look at sustainable changes that can maintain what you've, you've lost. Um, and we need to look at ways that 
it makes it more easier and congruent when you need to go back into another calorie deficit if you choose to. Mm -hmm. So we need to... So when we go into a calorie deficit, we'll do that for a period of time, we'll come out of that. What we're doing essentially is just stripping away some of those restrictions and we're just turning that dial down and going, you know what, now I'm going to a more um, uh, sustainable period. I'm going to look at things like little percentages where I can in- increase my need, my movement, in- in- increase my um, energy output through simple things like, okay, if I'm doing 8,000 steps a day, I'm going to go 9,000 or 10,000 steps a day. Um, I'm going to just look at habit-based habit based approaches, um, such as controlling things like your environment, um, like your kitchen, the foods that are in your environment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Trying to not allow hyperpalatable foods to come into your kitchen, foods that you're going to struggle to um, control yourself around. Yep. Um you might look at portion control. So you might buy smaller plates. So although you might not be in a period of calorie counting, you're still having somewhat of an idea or you're still kind of restricting your calories and not allowing yourself to overeat. So by having smaller portions, not having the food in your environment, by changing your habits like walking extra steps, guess what? Suddenly you don't put the weight back on that you've just lost. So this is also part of that process when it comes to losing weight. So I feel like we need to just slowly look at ramping out and changing these lifestyle habits and looking at these habit-based approaches after your calorie deficit. Does that make sense? It does, man. I, um, I think everything you've just said there makes makes perfect sense. There's there's one issue I I, I have with the mindset with mm-hmm. that though is that for some people, that sounds like, oh, that just still sounds like a diet. Yeah. Just like, okay, slightly less restrictive diet. And for some people, that's not going to work. It's like, well, no, I want to return to normal. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't want to feel like I'm constantly like watching my weight. Mm. And I think if you want to get there, you need to fundamentally sign up to change in your relation, your, your nutritional lifestyle. Because everything we've spoken about today, there's nothing I've said here that would not relate to a non-dieting phase. Other mm-hmm. than the calorie piece and the restriction of those calories, everything we spoke about, about nutrient density, prioritizing fat, embrace, uh, in, sorry, prioritizing protein, embracing fat, minimizing your carbs, removing the addictive foods out of your diet, having mostly a whole foods, real food, real food diet, like, that this is the start of a change for me a diet is ripping the band-aid off it's getting started with an aggressive transition to something that eventually will be your permanent life Mm -hmm. and that's the only way in my opinion to look at diets for the long term if you want to be able to walk around lean enough with decent composition to enjoy life, to get good nutrition, to feel good, to have good wellness, then your diet has to be the start of some nutritional long-term changes about following these principles, about taking away the foods that got you here in the first place. Mm. Because it's those hyper-palatable, engineered, processed foods, carb-dominant foods that have got you here through to some degree, no fault of your own. You've got hijacked 
you've consumed, you've overfed, but been malnourished. And that's led you through a vicious circle of putting on more weight outside of your control. But unfortunately, it feels good. And when you go on a diet, you want to return to feeling good because a diet doesn't feel good. I'm saying a diet will never feel good if you're restricting. It's always going to have a level of it's missing something. Discomfort. But if you at the same time engineer in these these ideas, and we actually wrote an article that called the, the, the Thrive Diet or the IIFYM plus the kind of eating approach that we follow. Mm-hmm. And it is these principles about nutritional wellness and looking great. And it's a lifestyle choice. And do you know what? I... I am not a restrictive eater. I love my food. I, I've, I've, never, I've never fallen out of love with food. I've changed my relationship with it, but I still absolutely love food. I live for mm-hmm. eating and the experience it, it brings me. Yet, I would say I'm particularly well adept and somewhat of a master manipulator of my own body weight. So I know how to do that. So I, I am a dieter. I know how to manage my weight. Uh, and I can be somewhat neurotic about and obsessive about my calories at times, but none of that detracts away from my enjoyment of my food. I mm. love the food I eat because I'm eating the food that is human appropriate, that is minimally processed, that has the nutrition my body wants, and therefore I can go for periods without craving and having hunger, which I always used to have. I find it easy to manage my weight up or down, and it doesn't make me superhuman. I am no different from anyone else listening on this podcast today. I've just made those changes that were hard to begin with, especially when you're taking addictive things out of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that pulling away from an addiction is difficult. And I had to pull away from a lot of addictions. But the the goodness that I now have is that I love the taste of real food. I am mad for, for, for my dinners. I get the most amazing dinners every single night. They're not particularly complex. They taste amazing. They're usually high calorie, but I've allowed that throughout my day. Um, I'm not stressing. Yeah, I'm not worried. Um, if I put a little bit of weight on, I want to take it off. I know how to do that. If I want to add weight, I know how to do that. You could say I'm on a constant diet because I am counting my calories, but I'm only doing that because I'm in this space mm-hmm. and I like the information. I like to see the cause and effects. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting into the data because I enjoy that process. But I'm habitual now enough that I could not calorie count and I could still maintain that. Yeah. You two can be there. This is not rocket science. It can sound complex, but the process that actually defines whether you gain weight or not is so simple. And maintaining that is simple once you decide forever going forward you're going to have a diet that's appropriate to you as a species, you as a person, you as an individual, and you're going to stop fucking with your body. You're going to stop hijacking yourself and you're going to stop resorting to the foods that may taste good, but offer you no nutrition. I'm not saying don't have those as your five percenters. Just don't have them be your hundred percenters. Don't then have them be your everyday go-to foods of choice. Treat yourself, but don't have your life as one big fat treat because you know what? You get big and fat. Mm. Yeah. Anything to say as we kind of close this one up? Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what I was touching on. My point was that with the after diet is that we want to focus on, okay, you've just dieted. 
how do we now come into a phase where we don't have to count calories, but how can we still can control the calories in controller environments that we don't end up overeating and still enjoy the foods that we want and not end up putting on body fat? Yeah, and and the the the, the kind of response I gave to your initial point was not saying I didn't agree with any of those kind of habit changes. I think they're all amazing and effective and useful strategies. But the undercurrent of the message is this doesn't have to be a life of restriction. Yeah. This can be a life of abundance mm. and joy yeah. and love and laughter and happiness and leanness and health. Like, yeah, you don't, it's not a permanent diet. We're not saying go on a permanent diet. It just sounds that the, the, the aftermath of the diet, if you're going to keep weight off, is still a kind of pseudo diet. It's not a diet. It's just a change in your lifestyle just habits. Changing lifestyles, is that your habits and a change in your nutritional choices. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're having rabbit food. That yeah. doesn't mean that you hate every fucking day exactly. because the food has got no hedonistic value. I am not saying that. And that doesn't have to be your life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Cool. Well, listen, that as expected, bit of a marathon session. Um, I feel good about this being an expression of our current thoughts yeah. and feelings about weight loss and weight management. And of course, there was a strong blend of wellness in here because who wants to be who wants to be skinny or, or slim but be unwell? Mm-hmm. Who wants to be slim only to get fat again? Who wants to know that you're basically treading water and every diet follows a period of adding more weight on? Who wants to know that through the long term, as you age, you're getting, you know, you're getting ill. That uh, you know your health is deteriorating. Well, age does not mean deteriorated health. Many people prove that every day. And if you don't want to be one of those people, you want to live a long life of being, you know, thriving, feeling well, moving optimally, not being diseased with all of these, you know, Western uh, modern diseases then you have to make a choice, both lose the weight, so you feel good, you look good, but you need to decide that in doing so, you're going to actually do something for your body mm. and have that wellness as well. And I don't think you can disconnect these two subjects, hence the reason we brought them together. Yeah. But guys, hopefully you enjoyed that session. If you've got any questions at all, you know you can get through to us either via the website or via uh, our Facebook page. This was a deep dive. I'm going to put a bunch of show notes that link to the various articles that I think can allow you to kind of reiterate these points or go into a little bit more depth. So do check through to the show notes. And that just leaves me to say that Adapt Nation is all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help and improve your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. Until next time, I'll let you crack on and be your best. Cheers, guys. Wow. What an episode. What an episode. It was jam-packed full of goodness. And I hope that there's a lot of takeaways here for you. Now, please remember that the Be Your Best Self-Optimization program is imminently available. And you can go check that out by going to adaptnation.io and on the homepage, there will be a notify button. Press that and you will get notified as soon as it drops. And you're going to want to see this. This is a game changing product. Anyway, until next time, I'll let you crack on and be your best.
If you enjoy this show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might enjoy the show. Feel free to get in touch with us via our website, adaptnation.io, or your favorite social media channel. This has been Adapt Nation. Till next time, thanks for listening.